season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Florida native, Canes alumni, and current sophomore catcher for the number three Florida Gators. We got Renee Lestrace on the JKR podcast for the Canes baseball series. Renee, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, of course. Of course, man. So before we dig into your whole baseball career, I got one question I'd like to dig into, you know, with everybody that gets on the JKR podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Renee Lestrace? I'll just say I'm a normal guy like everyone else, just, but I just love the game of baseball. I'm a guy that likes to get after it every day and work hard. Kind of like the process and just going out there, playing hard. That's one of the win. All right, so being a part of, you know, like I said, number three Florida Gators, you guys are having a hell of a season right now. You know, let's dig into, you know, what landed you there in Gainesville to go to Florida. Just kind of take us through that recruiting process, you know, when that got started and when exactly it was when Division One teams kind of started reaching out. Yeah, so uh, my sophomore year of high school, I uh, I got a call. This, uh, this, this first call I got was uh, from FIU. And it was my first ever offer, and I and I said, yeah. So I was first committed to FIU, actually. And then um, a year went by, and I just was talking to my parents, and I noticed that I kind of rushed my recruitment process. So we thought it was best to reopen it, and I called the coaches over and told them that I uh, wanted to reopen my recruitment process. They were fine with it. So I then uh, – the next – the next week, actually, I got a call, and it was a call from Florida, and they invited me over to a uh, to a camp. So um, I went to the camp, and then uh, we did. I did some like hitting drills. There was a bunch of other kids there too. I threw the bases, and then that was it. And then they called me after that, like four days, and uh, they asked me if I wanted to come in. I was like, hell yes! That Florida, Florida was the school I wanted to go to is close to home. It's a winning program. It's, it's where you want to be at. It's where you're going to go and get better. Okay, so get, so getting the chance to, you know, talk to the FIU coaching staff, kind of see the way they go about it, talk to the Florida coaching staff, see the way they go about it, you know, go to a camp there, maybe some other teams that were in the mix. You know, what were some of those initial conversations like when you were talking to some of those coaches in terms of, you know, what were some questions they were asking you, how those conversations kind of roll out? Kind of take us through that a little bit. So when, when talking to a college coach, they are – They'll do most of the talking most of the time. So they'll just talk about the program and what they could do for you as a player and how how you could come in and help them win. So it's it's a it's a pretty broad conversation and then they place everything out on the table for you for you to kinda see and be like, Oh, is this a good fit for me? Is this not? And if it is, and just go for it. Okay. So being committed to FIU there for a little bit, you know, now, you know, committed to the Gators, you know, now playing there for your second season, you know, what were some of those relationships you built throughout that process, you know, with the FIU coaching staff, maybe some other coaches and the Gator coaching staff as well. What did some of those relationships kind of look like? So uh, I had a, I had a good relationship with the FIU coach and then uh, 
still do. And then uh, with uh, with the Gators, uh, it was just home from the beginning. I love the coaching staff. Uh, it's like it's like a family over here, man. It's not it's not like it's not where you think. It's like you come here and then you and your coaches are like you're there for a common goal. So we we're all here trying to do the same thing. We're achieving the same goal. So we're all trying to do this together, and we're all one team. Yeah. So we're pretty. Yeah. So you you mentioned you know how Florida kind of felt like home there when you went on that camp and you were like you know hell yeah like you know I, I want to commit here you know when you were going through that and kind of choosing okay you know maybe I, I do want to go to Florida what were some of those key things that you were looking for you know as you were going through that process of you know cho choosing Florida you know what exactly was it that kind of put them on top? Well, first of all, is how I said before, a winning program. You want to go to a school that you're going to go and you're going to win ball games. You're going to get better as a player. You're gonna, you're gonna succeed. And my 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 goal as all of us is is win a national championship. And by coming here, I, it's the best chance I have to because I think we got that in the yeah. bag. Yeah. So so being an in-state kid, you know, being from Florida, you went to what was there? It was some academy that down there in Florida. Was it Calgary or some? Yeah, Calgary. Calgary. Okay. So you know, you are an in-state kid. You know, what were some of those relationships you had? you know, some of your current teammates before you actually got to that Florida campus in terms of maybe some guys you played with on the Canes, maybe some guys you played up against in high school ball. You know, what were some of those pre-existing relationships you had? Yeah, so from the Canes, we had uh, Carl Hartman and Philip Abner. Carl's not here anymore, Phil is. And then all of us have been playing together for the most part because like 85% of the team is from Florida. And the uh, ones that are not still played summer ball with teams that we played against each other. So we all we all knew each other had good relationships with so coming in here it was just like we everyone clicked because it's like it's a close group of guys because we're all from florida mostly yeah so being committed to the gators there for a little bit you know you sign with them you go through that summer before your freshman year kind of take us through that your first couple of weeks on campus you know what that was looking like maybe those bonds you built with some of your teammates just take us through that summer when you you know first got on campus yeah i mean when you get there in the summer uh you have you start like the summer b classes automatically and then we start like lift. But the thing is that when in the summers is only uh there's only freshmen. So last year it was like we lived in a place where we all lived together. So we were doing everything together. We we're having breakfast together. Uh we're going to lift at the same time. Most of us had the same class. So just like those two months were a big, big head start for us because we got to bond with each other. And then once that was over, the everyone else came in and that's when we started introducing each other and then started meeting everyone okay so before that summer so in between you know the spring of your senior year and that summer before you head to Gainesville from doing a little bit of research it looked like you maybe had a little bit of draft buzz you know heading into that 2021 MLB draft kind of take us through that just in terms of you know what were some of those conversations you were having with scouts kind of the mindset heading into the draft kind of take you know take us through that a little bit yeah, yeah. So uh, the thing was that uh, my senior year of high school, I, I played with two broken hands. So uh, I still had a pretty good year, but it's not as good as I wanted it to be. And I and I told my parents, and I was like, hey, uh, I have a, I could I could do a lot more than what I did. And I have, I have a lot to prove. So with that being said, uh, it was more I was more into the coming to school side of things just because I knew I had more to prove. And so with. Coming into school, the draft came by, uh, got a couple calls, but respectfully, I we told the the teams that my my goal was to go to school, and then that we left it at that. 
I, mm-hmm. I think I opted out of the draft after the third round, and then I was just all in in school. Okay. So two broken hands, you know, take it. I mean, so talk about, you know, what that senior year was like playing with two broken hands, you know, how it happened and what that was like, you know, maybe some hurdles you had to face, you know, with those two broken hands. I mean, uh, first game of the, of the year, uh, there was like, it was the bottom of the, no, top of the seventh inning. I'm sorry. And there was a play at the plate and, uh, I went to tag the kid and he didn't slide. So my 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 thumb went completely into him and just bent back, and they kind of like kind of like popped out of place. And then I just had to tape that up, and I just played through it. And then, ten games in, I'm catching. We had Andy Painter on the mound, which he went thirteenth overall. He was committed here to Florida, and um, we we're playing IMG. And I remember I call a heater out, and he throws it. And kid hit kid hits a, a foul ball, which my I placed my hand like right around here, and the foul ball just went straight into my hand. Yeah, and I and I and I broke my bone here too, and I was like, man, like I I really want to play, so I I got a I got a cast that same day, and I get home and I and I tell my dad I'm like, I I can't I can't just stay home and watch my team play. It's my last year of high school. This will suck if I if I just can't like play through it with my friends. So I was like. I'm gonna do it. Took off the cast. Uh, then my thumb was still messed up, so I just I'll tape up my thumb, bunch of tape, tape up my um uh, my hand. I had like a little numbing spray in my back pocket, so I, before like after every inning, I'll just spray it up, and I just toughed it out and played through it. Good thing is that after the season, I recovered in the summer, and I'm fine now. So yeah, I'm so sure that 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 is one rough, you know, first ten games there for a year senior year. You know, I do want to dig into, you know, the whole college thing where you're at now. But since we are on the topic, let's dig into, you know, Culvery Christian Academy, you know, what that was like. Kind of take us through your decision of, you know, playing for an academy school compared to maybe playing for an actual traditional high school like like a lot of kids do. Yeah, so I uh, my my three years, I, I kind of I went to Miami Christian before Calvary and then I was in another school before that. So the change was that I had a. Bunch of my friends, uh, Andy Painter, Irv Carter, Alex Ulloa, just everyone on that team was my close friends, and we wanted to play our last year together. So, me and Alex were at Miami Christian. We're like, "Hey, let's let's make the move." I wanted to go catch Andy and Irv, and I, I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So I went there. It was it was a great decision. I got I got to play like high quality baseball, and that definitely got me ready catching those high quality arms for college. So going from Miami Christian Academy to, you know, where they're at Culvery, you know, what was some of the big differences you saw between those two academies? Uh, Difference-wise, I don't say there's much. It's, it's all the same. It's baseball. It's uh, everyone wants to do the same thing, which is win. What changes is a group of guys you're around. Going to Culvery when you were there at an academy, you know, kind of take us through what that day-to-day kind of looked like. And obviously, you know, it's not that it's not like that traditional high school where you're going to class at 8 a.m., going to Hill 3, having practice afterwards. Yeah. Take us through that what that day-to-day kind of looked like, you know, at an academy like that. Yeah, so I, I actually did have a couple classes. Uh, so what my day would look like, I w- uh, I'll wake up around 5, 5.15, and I'll head to the gym. I'll go to the gym for a little bit. I'll do mostly mobility stuff. And then after the gym, I'll shower up, eat some breakfast. I'll, I'll just have class from 8.30 to around 10.30. Once I was done with that, because uh, I actually, the, the campus I went to wasn't the main campus because I went to the campus close to my house. So I go there for class, 
then I'll, I'll head to the main campus. Uh, usually, mostly every day, we had team lift when we got there. So once we're done with team lift, about hour, hour and a half, they give you like 20 minutes, go get some food, come back, get ready for practice. Then we'll just hop into like a normal everyday team practice. We'll hit VP and for those catch ground balls, some catching drills. And then once I was done with that, I'll wrap up my stuff, get ready and then, then I'll go to the cages and uh, I'll hit with my trainer. And then once I was done with that, it was, it's like 10 o'clock. So I'm exhausted. So yeah. I just head back, grind out some homework and go to sleep. Yeah, I'm sure. So, you know, digging back into, you know, your time here at Florida, you know, you, that summer ball, you know, your freshman year kind of comes to an end, you know, regular students start showing up to campus. Some of the upperclassmen start showing up to campus. You know, what was that first fall like, you know, maybe some surprises you had just take us through that first, you know, freshman fall uh, playing baseball. Yeah. So on the team side of things, they were the upperclassmen were all very welcoming. We got here, we all just clicked. We all became friends from the, School and baseball aspect is not something you're very used to because then it comes to like every day you got to wake up at six, go to the gym. Then after the gym, you go to class and after class, you go to the field, you're at the field for a long time then you go home and do the same. It's like the same thing every day. So as a freshman, that's something you definitely got to get used to. But once once that fall was over and went, rolled into the spring, it's just something that it, it becomes like a daily thing and becomes a habit. So it just it, uh, becomes easy. So facing that collegiate pitching there for the first time, you know, it is, you know, inter-squad scrimmages, but, you know, what did that look like, you know, that collegiate pitching you were facing for the first time compared to some of that pitching you were facing in the academies? Yeah. So, well, I had a, in the summer, I was in a, in a summer league. It was a draft league, which we, we, uh, we faced pretty high uh, caliber arms going through that. So I feel like I had a, like 100 ABs, 140, and that definitely prepared me for college baseball. But going into the fall, definitely something you got to get used to. But once you get, once you get like some live ABs, all the training we do, just, just becomes something they do every day. Mm -hmm. So going through that first fall, going through that first winter, you know, before your freshman year kind of got started, you know, where did you kind of see that biggest development? You know, as you got to got to Gainesville, got to work with that Florida coaching staff for the first time. Yeah. Where did you kind of see your development kind of, you know, evolve the most? Yeah, when you when you get into college, um, you you see development in a lot of places. Like I got I got a lot stronger. My arm got better. Uh, my swing got a lot better, but where you see the most improvement is how you learn how you learn about the game. So when you're in high school, you don't worry about the little things. But once you get into college, you get introduced to to more small ball stuff, uh, approach, uh, the mental side of the game, and all that. You develop as a player, and you get so much better because they teach you. College coaches have been doing this for a very long time, and they have a lot of experience, and they've seen what you haven't. So. The things they teach you most of the time is it's very good stuff. So once you soak all that in and you really buy into what they're doing, it's you, you're going to see massive, massive uh, progress. Yeah. So, you know, digging into last year, you know, you guys flipped that calendar from 2021 to 2022. You're a couple of weeks away from that first, you know, collegiate baseball game. You know, what was that freshman spring like? You know, take us through that, you know, that first game where you kind of maybe had to, you know, got culture shocking away facing SEC talent for the first time. Yeah, yeah. What was that first? Uh, it's it's definitely something you haven't experienced before. Like I've never been in a field played in front of ten thousand fans, 
Like you're just used to being in a high school game where there's a couple hundred people and then you're there and you're like, wow, that's, that's crazy. So it's definitely, it's definitely fun though. It's not, it's not something that like backs you away. It's like, I want to play now. Cause like, this is, this is sick. So from, from the looks of it, um, I was looking through, you know, your profile earlier when you were, you know, played that first collegiate game, it looks like what your first AB was a home run. It was, it was. Okay. So, you know, take us through that AB. What was that like? Well, so we were five games in the season and I hadn't, I hadn't played yet. And uh, we're uh, playing CN Hall and it's the, it's the eighth inning. And I'm like, like, there's no shot. They're going to put me into hit. Right. Cause like I haven't swung a bat in about like four hours, five hours. And I'm, I'm cold. It was like 55 degrees or like 40. I'm freezing. I wasn't even wearing another shirt. So then my coach comes in and taps me in the shoulder. I turn around. He's like, hey, buddy, ready to hit? I'm like, oh, well, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I go, um, I had very little time. I just, like, I grabbed my bat, went out to the on-deck circle. The kid hits a, uh, gets a base hit, and I have to go up to hit. So I took about three swings in the on-deck circle, had about two minutes to lock it in. So I just go up to hit, and I'm like, hey, first college of that, here we go. I'm, I was so nervous. My legs were shaking. I was like, I had no time to like lock in or anything. So I was just like, I took a deep breath. I took my first pitch and I was like, yeah, I feel good. We're, we're ready to go. And then I, I believe uh, I hit a foul ball Then he throws two balls. I get in a 3-1 count. So that, then that's when I, I started feeling pretty confident. I'm like, 3-1 count. It's only throwing me heaters. It's definitely throwing me another one right here. It's throwing about 92, 94. So, uh, and then he he just threw one right down the middle. And then as, as I'm swinging, I like blacked out. I don't remember anything. I, I just, I swung, I remember hitting the ball. And then I just like, I like lash out. And when I get to first, I was like, I'm like, oh damn. I just, I just <laughs> won the first bat. That's crazy. Yeah. It was actually, it was like one of the best moments. It was, it was sick. Sure. So last year, you know, you did face, you know, some of those mid-major schools when you mentioned, you know, Seton Hall, Georgia State. You also got into a couple games when you guys were facing some SEC talent, like, you know, LSU and Miami's in the ACC, you know, that in-state rival. You know, did you kind of see, um, just take us, what was that comparison like of facing, you know, Power 5 programs like Miami, seeing some SEC pitching compared to maybe some of those mid-majors that you got to face last year as well? Yeah. I mean, Every D one baseball is D one baseball. The talent is there in every team. Only difference is that, like when we played UM LSU, the the pitching gets a little better, and the hitters are more consistent. So what you see the difference in is like, like in the SEC, you'll get a you'll get a three zero changeup, and it'll be it'll be for a strike. You get a three one slider. That's stuff you, you you really don't see, and they'll land it for strikes. Pitchers. Pitchers throw a lot of strikes and hitters don't miss their pitches. That's the biggest difference. So looking back into, you know, your entire freshman year, you know, beyond that first home run, you know, what were some of those memories that just come to mind of your freshman year playing there in Gainesville? Um, and then again, a second question to that, maybe some of the guys that kind of showed you the ropes of collegiate baseball when you were kind of going through it for the first time your freshman spring. Yeah. So uh, freshman, freshman spring is definitely one to remember because you're just getting introduced to these things and it's like, it's like a first time for you. So going out there every day, being with your teammates in that environment, games games are very, very – it's like high pressure because you have to win. That's the job. So going out there and spending time with your teammates, winning ball games, winning a series, like all that all that stuff for the first time is just a great feeling. And uh, for your second question, like 
upperclassmen do a great job here. Like once once we got here, they kind of gave us the rundown on what is going to be like, what what are you going to expect? So you kind of have a pretty good idea. And it's like something we prepare for, like throughout the whole year. So I feel like we're all very confident going out there because it's like, hey, man, like we've been preparing for this for the past seven months. So we just got to go out here and do our job. Like we the work was put in already. Yeah. Now we just go, but I got to go out there and show up. So being a sophomore this year, going through your second year, you know, what benefits does that kind of bring you? And what just just as you knew what to expect going into this year, you know, what benefits did that kind of bring you? And what did this, you know, fall and winter look like compared to, you know, your freshman year? Yeah, it's definitely a lot more uh, of maturing as you come in, a lot more experience. So coming into this year, you already uh, lived it last year. So you know what to expect you know what to look for, like little, like you, as a player, you develop little cues, like, you know, when you're doing something, what to do to fix it. And like, like you get used to our environment it just becomes second nature. Yeah. So digging into this year, like we've talked about, like I mentioned before, you guys are ranked at number three team, you know, in the country right now, you know, what, what's this season kind of looking like for you? How, how's this season been shaping up so far, you know, as you guys are, you know, 18, 20 games in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's looking great. We're, we're better than ever. We're as close as a team, which that's the most important thing. We're all close. We all like each other here. So team chemistry is great. And like I said before, we've been putting in the work all year. Now it's just time to go out there and show everyone what we got. Yep. So you mentioned earlier, you know, everyone's, you know, main goal is to win that national championship this year. But for you, you know, as you look forward to the rest of the season here in 2023, what are some of those personal goals that you have leading into these next couple of months? Well, personal goals would be just going out there and like doing my job, going out there and showcasing what I could do, like putting my skills out there and just showing everyone what I could do, the type of hitter I am, the catcher I am, and most importantly, help my team win. Yeah. So you mentioned the MLB Draft League there a little bit ago. Let's kind of dig into that, what that experience was like. Take us through, you know, what, what that day-to-day looked like there, the MLB Draft League, and just the competition level you were facing. Yeah, so the MLB Draft League, it's, like, kind of based off uh, – so you play for a minor league team. The what the one I played for is, like, you wear the uniform and stuff. I played for the Frederick Keys, which is the Orioles, uh, low A. And uh, they kind of shape it a lot into what the minor leagues is going to be. So you go out there. Um, it's kind of similar to college baseball. Uh, you have – you play uh, six times a week. You're on the road after – after a series at home and you just get out there on the field. They have the schedule up, uh, games at seven, you're out there at 12. Uh, you go hit, you do all your stuff, game prep stuff, and then get ready for game time. And then the competition was great. You faced a lot of good college arms. Uh, and then just all that stuff. It, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And for, for the most part, from what I've heard, you know, as, most of them be, I believe that 2021 season was either the first or second year for the draft league. I know a lot of those coaches were, you know, former pro ball players, guys who either played the majors or played the minors before. When you had coaches like that, you know, what were some different ways that you were kind of picking their brain just in terms of, you know, just the experience that they've had so far I mean, in their career previously? Yeah, it was, it was the first year they did that. So uh, my coach was, his name was Derek May. He, he played for the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's it, it's a great thing to go out there and uh, be coached by someone that played in the big league. So they've lived what you haven't lived yet. So they they teach you they teach you things you've never heard before, and they they guide you along the way. 
So beyond that, you know, that was before your freshman year, digging into the summer between your freshman, sophomore year and, you know, the outlook on this upcoming summer, you know, what was the summer league you played in last year? And, you know, what's the expectations heading into 2023 summer? Yeah, so actually I, I didn't get to play summer ball this summer because last year in the middle of the year, I tore my UCL and I and I went and I had Tommy John. So what summer looked like for me was mostly all recovery stuff uh, and just getting ready for the fall. Just dig into the 2023 summer, like, you know, what your expectations are, I guess. Uh, 2023 summer. So this summer, well, hopefully we're in Omaha when the summer starts. <laughs> trying to get a natty nash- a so uh but after that I, I'm, I'm playing at the cave with Warham so just go out there and kind of have a chance to showcase what I could do every day in very very high quality baseball so my goals are just crush this summer go out there rake and catch as well as I can and get yeah. ready for next year which is my draft year yeah so how did you get connected with the Cape Cod League was that something the Florida coaching staff put together your advisor how did that kind of look like well, mostly Florida coaching staff. So what they do is, uh, for example, Sully, our coach, uh, he sent me a text and he was like, hey, uh, I have uh, the Wareham wants you to play for them this summer. And then he gets me all set up, sends me all the paperwork I need to do. Just get ready for that. Okay. So this won't be, so with this being your, you know, your second go around with, you know, summer collegiate baseball, you know, using wood bats as well in high school. What does that look like going from that transition to, you know, metal in the spring, wood in the summer? What is that transition looking like? Yeah, it's definitely not an easy transition, I'll say, but uh, I like to like every day when I hit in the cages, I, I start off with wood just so I keep that feel. And so it's not something I just switched and just right start using wood. And then that's not, that won't feel right. So every day I just use wood in the cage and I feel like that just makes it a lot whole easier just when I get to the summer and yeah. start. So you said you tore your UCL last year, you know, had to go through that Tommy John experience. You know, what was that like? You know, how did you injure it and just take us through that recovery process? Maybe some hurdles you had to face as well. Yeah. So uh, going into the middle of the year after we played LSU, I noticed I was like, I was having some arm pain and I was like, I told my trainer, I was like, Hey, my arm doesn't feel right. He was like, Hey, yeah, uh, let's do some treatment, take some time off. I did treatment. I took time off. I came back. I started throwing. I felt fine, but I was like, it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel like, it felt like a noodle. My arm literally. So uh, I don't remember when I injured it. I don't even know. I think it was something that happened uh, like with time. So I went and got an MRI and, it was like 100% torn. It was like off the bone. It was, it was pretty bad. So, um, I, I get in touch with my advisor and, uh, he gets me, he tells me like, which are like good doctors that I could go to. Cause he's had players that had, uh, Tommy John before. And he was like, Hey, these are, so I got set up. I called the doctor. I was like, um, Hey, this is this happened, whatever. And then I went and got surgery in Birmingham with Dr. Dugas. Uh, which he did a great job. I was I was out of there in two days. I went back home in my brace. So once that happens, uh, you have a like a month where you don't do anything. You keep your arm like in a brace like this. You can't move it. And then the next month, you move the brace a little more, a little more, and then so you get to like full extension. And by like the whole time, you're getting like massages on like the elbow to get rid of the scar tissue. Uh, doing a bunch of shoulder stuff. And once I got through all of that, I was like four months of uh, rehab and stuff. That's when I got to throw my first baseball, which was the best moment ever. Uh, it was like from 25 feet. I was so excited. 
and then uh it took me about three months to get fully back and but the process isn't easy at all like i would say like when you get past 25 feet and you start going to 50 60 you definitely feel some arm pain because you you literally haven't thrown in five months and you had surgery there but once you get that once you get like past that barrier it's just like it's like you've been doing this your whole life once you get past the pain once you get past everything it's just go out there and play ball you're ready to go you put in the work so once you're so once you're throwing 100 percent, you know off that tommy john surgery now do you feel anything at all when you're throwing now like is there a different way you have to throw the ball now or are you kind of still doing it the same way you did you know beforehand not at all my actually my arm feels a whole lot better than you used to i think i'm throwing way harder than i used to it's just like Tommy John, and then it's not really because you get a new UCL. It's just because you rehab for seven, eight, nine months, and it's just like every day you're doing shoulder work. You're doing arm care every day. So you're literally not throwing a baseball and getting your arm stronger for that time. So once you come back, your arm is stronger than ever. So you can, I came back I came back a lot better, I'll say. Okay. So, you know, as we talk about your throwing, let's go ahead and transition to, you know, your actual on the field play. Let's talk about, you know, you as a catcher, you as a hitter, first off with catching kind of take us through, you know, are you calling pitches there at Florida? Have you called pitches in the past when you are behind the plate? What does that look like? Yeah, no, uh, here we don't call pitches. So we have a little ear earpiece that we wear and then our coach has the, the walkie talkie. So he'll, he'll talk to us through there and be like, Hey, uh, throw this, throw that, or he'll even say, like, hey, uh, this guy can't really hit off-speed pitches with two strikes, uh, bust him in. So he'll literally give you the rundown of that, of what the guy can do and cannot do, and he'll help you out through there or even tell you what to throw. Okay, so with, with the coaches already having that, you know, with that scouting report already in hand before the series gets started, are you a part of those pitchers' meetings, you know, before the series gets, gets rolling with each team, just being the catcher, kind of knowing what's going on, or for the most part, do they keep you out of that? No, yeah, you have to you have to get with the pitchers and the coaches and just give you a little rundown of what the running game is for the other team, what like what are their threats, uh, like on with the sticks, like what could they hit, what can they like what they do right, what they do wrong, so then you just look at all that stuff and then you kind of attack what you think is, what you think is gonna help you win the game. So a big thing for catchers, obviously, is building that relationship with that pitcher, with you, you know, going to the draft league, going to Florida where, you know, maybe haven't caught, you know, a lot of guys on that staff, maybe even going to the Cape Cod League this summer. You know, how do you go about building that relationship with that pitcher, building that trust? How do you kind of go about that process? Yeah, I mean, a pitcher is a catcher's best friend. So we're all always, most of the time, we're always together just because of the bullpens, the PFPs. So, and then obviously we're together off the field and on the field. So you always want to have a good relationship with your pitcher. You want to hang out. Some of like the pitchers, the catchers, even teammates, we go get lunch together, build a relationship off the field. And then on the field, it's just like, hey, man, we're here for a common goal and we want to win the game. And we just work together. Okay. So flipping around to the hitting side of things, let's go ahead. Let's dig through your hitting approach. Take us through, you know, you're on the on deck circle, you're watching the guy in front of you, watching that pitcher, you know, what's going through your mind, you know, as you walk up to that batter's box, what are you trying to do with each at bat? Yeah. Well, so hitting approaches change, really changes from high school to college. So in college, you basically have reports on the pitcher, on the pitchers and the percentages of what pitches they throw, what do they like to throw on each count. So you're never going up there with the same approach because not every pitch is the same. So based on like the scouting reports and all of that, you kind of look through it and you create an approach for what the pitcher is. For example, the pitcher is 75% off-speed, 
off speed with runners on base, you're not going to sit a fastball. You're going to sit something off speed and drive it in the gap. So approach is something that that has to change, that changes pitcher by pitcher based on what they're going to throw you. But now on the other hand, that's just hitting approach. The mental approach is something that I always keep the same. My mental approach is I'm, I'm trying to go out there to hit, and I put myself in a state of mind that I have to tell myself, like, hey, like, you've put in the work. This guy hasn't worked harder than you. you, you you're going to beat him. He can't beat you. It's just going out there and competing one pitch at a time, like staying in the present moment. So you mentioned earlier, you know, when you guys are going into a series, you kind of, you know, have personal scouting reports on all these different types of pitchers, you know, going into a series like that, you know, for example, this weekend, you know, how are you guys presented that information in terms of, you know, different hitting, hitting meetings throughout the week? What does that kind of look like? Yeah. So uh, when we go out to the field, so right now we're not, we're not getting ready. We're getting, well, obviously we're ready for a miss, but we play FSU tomorrow. So that's, that's kind of our focus right now. It's, it's a big rival game. They're a great baseball team and we're playing on the road. Next five games are on the road, actually, too. So once we get done with FSU and we get into the field on Wednesday, we kind of get into more of the the like the statistics type of thing. So we look at who we're going to face in like kind of a video screen, like who their hitters are. So we kind of have a, we have an app called Teamworks, which they send us like the hitters, the pitchers, and you kind of get a good look there of what you're getting. And then we create a game plan from that and then that's how we go, and then we roll. Okay, so you talk about teamworks there, you know, a different type of technology that's within the game of baseball right now. With you, you know, going to Florida, I'm sure there's a bunch of different technology within the game that you guys have. Or When you are looking at technology, whether that's hit tracks, you know, blast motion, stuff like that, do you kind of consider yourself a big technology guy, or are you more old school? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like 50-50. So, like, well, we, we, we have, like, you have stuff like exit velocity, like, the metrics of your swing, but I, I really, I really don't like to like base myself on that. I like to, obviously it helps sometimes tweak some little things in your swing, see what you need to like, it helps you like if you need to get in the weight room and like fix some things to like maybe create more torque, more bat speed. But like, honestly, it's, I'm more a feel kind of hitter. So I go in the cage and I, I, I video myself and look at my swing, but I, I want to get, I want to have a good feel. So if I feel something that's off, I have like drills that I do to get my swing back to where it's at. So that's, that's the biggest thing with me. I don't like to fall into like technology type of things because I feel like that's like something that, like for example, exit video, you go out there and you just want to pop 105s, 100s. Like you're just going to go out there and swing as hard as you can. And that's, that doesn't help your swing. Yeah. So digging into the mechanics of your swing, you know, from that load up to that follow through, kind of take us through what those mechanics kind of look like and how those evolved over time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in high school, I, I didn't really use my lower half. So coming into college, we got into the cage and I worked on kind of my my hip hinge and getting into that back leg and staying on it. I also been working on my bat path, uh, keeping my bat in my bat in the zone as long as possible, create a bigger margin for error. So with my bat getting in the zone a little earlier, if I'm a little early, I could catch the ball in front. If I'm late, I could catch the ball uh, in my backside and drive out to right field. And if I'm on time, which is my A swing, it's that's where the fireworks happen. So it's just it's just getting out there and kind of tweaking little things and making you a better hitter because you got things everyone has things that they need to improve so going out there every day and you can just tweak little things and get better one percent day by day okay yeah i like that saying that's where the fireworks happen 
but <laughs> when you're looking at your game's entirety, let's say you know you're a scout watching your game, so watching you catch, whether that's building relationships with the, with the guys when you're actually yeah. behind the play, base running, hitting, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself if you were a scout watching your game? Well, I don't, I don't think I could put that out there. They're going to use it against me. Okay. We can, okay. That's, that's fine. But we can, let's talk about development here. Um, So <laughs> when you are, you know, looking towards the future, whether that's, you know, the rest of the spring going into the summer and then, you know, next summer as well, when you're heading to that draft, potentially going to that next level, what are some of those key things you want to work on within your development? Just some key things that you're wanting to work on. Yeah. I mean, there's always things that you got to work on. Like every day I, I get out in the field, I obviously want to get bigger and stronger. I want to get faster, be a better receiver, better blocker, better thrower, just improve overall my overall game so um, there's like oh like, no one's perfect so i just want to get better at everything that i can and become the best player that i can so i i'm, I'm not only focused on one thing right now i'm kind of focusing on like like a lot like my swing my bat speed my legs so i feel in my opinion if you could like it's not it's not easy to do but if you could try to perfection like everything you, you become a way better baseball player yeah. Okay. So, you know, with where you're at right now within your baseball career, I'm sure you've had a ton of just, you know, influential people within your career. If you could choose, you know, maybe two to three people who have been the most influential, who would those couple people be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Yeah. I mean, I gotta, first of all, I gotta, I gotta say my, my family is, cause that's like, that's my biggest motivation. My dad, my dad for sure. Cause my dad is, my dad has, has grown up with me watching me play the game. So being with me, he knows my swing better than anyone else. And I really look up to him. He's a hard worker. He's a great guy. And just uh he's poured in a lot to me. And I've poured a lot into the game. So I just wanna I just wanna make him proud and make it to the big leagues for him and for myself and for them. Uh and also like I want just all my coaches leading up to this, like I I've had a like I haven't done this myself. Like like the player I've become, the person I've become has not been done by myself. I've had a lot of help from a lot of people, past coaches, past catching coaches. Even my coaches at the school right now, it's just like this. This is like not something that you could do by yourself. So, getting help from everyone has built me up, gave me a nice foundation, and just I put in the work throughout the years and just built up from that. Yeah. So you know, as you look forward into the future, I'm sure another person you might add to that list in a couple of years, potentially your draft advisor as you go through the through the rest of your career. Let's kind of take, yeah. let's kind of go through the advisor selection process. Like I said, you know, that's what I'm trying to do once I graduate from school. So I want to kind of get the the player side of things when I get guys like yourself on the podcast. So kind of take yeah. us through that advisor selection process, just in terms of when they started reaching out and kind of what, what was like the main way that they were reaching out, whether that's phone in person, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had one guy for the past five years, which like he's he's like my friend too. Like it's my advisor and my friend. I feel like with advisors, it's just like you can't just go out there and pick someone because of it's a big name or something. Well, you've got to pick someone that is fitting for you, someone that has a good relationship with you, someone that you could like connect with and talk to, and obviously that's gonna help you in the draft. But with my advisor, uh, I met him. Uh, I was practicing and he was at the field. And he saw me hit and we just started shooting, shooting the shit. And then we started talking. And then uh, from there, he, he was like, Hey, I want to help you with the draft. I want to be your advisor. And I was like, Oh okay, yeah, let's do it. And we just, we created a relationship every day. Uh, we talk, I actually got off the phone with him like two hours ago. And we just talked like how my day went, like what he's, what he's up to. And like, we go grab lunch together. 
it's not i don't really see him as my advisor i just see him as like a, a close friend of mine someone someone that helps me out a lot okay all right so down to my last baseball segment here let's dig into canes baseball you know with this being the canes baseball series let's go ahead let's show them a little bit of love take us through that connection that kind of got you connected with the canes baseball program and what that experience was like yeah so uh jeff petty gave me a call uh, head coach for the Canes and uh, it was my going into my junior summer I had I didn't have a team and I was like yeah of course I want to play with the Canes it's a great team we all we all knew each other beforehand too because it's just like summer baseball y'all but it was great I mean the Canes is like an experience that like I'm never gonna get back it was it was uh we bust everywhere we went to big tournaments we had all this nice gear and of course great coaching staff and a great manager Jared gotta give him the shout out it's my man. Uh, but yeah, man, it was, it was, it was great. It was like, we're a very talented team. Everyone there could have been a, a three hole in any SEC team. It was, we're, we're good. Yeah. So it was just fun. We went out there and we just wanted to go out there and crush everyone when everything we wanted to. And then from there on, we, we went into college and we all stay in touch. We have a group chat. We all talk to each other. It was, just, it was fun. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, how you're still in contact with some of those guys, you know, what were some of those relationships you built with the Canes coaching staff, but even some of your Canes teammates as well. I mean, I know there was another catcher on that team who's Cole Messina has like eight home runs for South yeah. Carolina right now. Some other That's guys I got coming on the show. What are some of those relationships you built with coaches and some players from the Canes program? Yeah, yeah. actually me and Cole were roommates mostly every weekend. He stayed with me. He's a great kid. <laughs> even better ball player. He's nasty. So I mean, it was just like when you're in a when you're in where you're playing summer ball in high school, it's all you're doing is travel, travel, travel. So you're staying in different hotels with your team. You're getting you doing the bus rides, all this stuff. And you're just creating bonds like it's just like spending time with each other. And you're all kids. You're just like going out there and having fun, play, doing what you love, playing baseball. And we're all we're all great. We all had fun. And it just it was it was a remarkable summer. We all like we're all friends to this day. I'll talk to each other. So it was nice. I'm sure. So with you getting that chance to play up amongst all those different guys, like you said, all those guys to go hit three hole for any team in the country, you know, with you playing up against, against guys with guys like that, you know, what benefits do you think that kind of brought you, you know, as you headed to Gainesville as a freshman, just, you know, already getting that chance to have play with those type caliber of ball players. Yeah. And you're, you're playing with very, very high caliber uh, kids. And it just makes everyone better as a whole because you're you're seeing you're seeing what he does that helps him have success, and they're seeing what you do that helps you have success. And it's like iron sharp as iron. So like you're just like going out there and you're with the best of the best in the country, and you just you're just bound to get better. Yeah. So. So with you being an insider of that Kane's program, you know what do you think has led to that Kane's success that they've been able to build here these past couple of years? I mean. Just like I said about Florida, is you build a foundation of a of a winning program. So when you're when you go into the Canes, you're you know you're going into a, a winning team because the talent that is built around them and the history. And I feel like everything is built with a base. Like the Canes started off as a great team and then just recruiting high caliber players. And it's like a team that you're gonna go and you're gonna be coached by great guys and you're just gonna go there and win games. Okay. All right, man. So digging into my final couple of questions here, I like to call this rapid fire, dig into the personal side of things beyond the game of baseball. So when you're not playing ball, what are some of those passions that you got, you know, maybe keep you, take your mind off of some things, cope with some stress. 
What are some of those passions you got beyond the game of baseball? Definitely playing like PlayStation and stuff. So <laughs> me and uh me and my my roommates when we get like done with a long day, we uh we come here and we have a PS4 set up upstairs and we just play we play UFC four. So we'll just go on there for hours, just like fighting each other on the game. And it's just it's just fun. And then just doing things like going going together, like going out as a team, going to eat, uh uh like hanging out with your friends, just like being like sometimes just like literally laying on my bed after a long day because I'm exhausted and just going on my phone, going on TikTok, Instagram. Just like you like when you get into college, you share time like that a lot more because yeah. like you don't have a lot of off. So once you like get that like those three, four hours, two hours, maybe one hour one day that you could just relax and keep it to yourself and be with your teammates. It's just it's great. Yeah. You mentioned TikTok there. I believe when I when I was looking at it, don't you have like, you know, like 37,000 TikTok followers or, or some crazy number like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a few. <laughs> so how, how how did you build that? Shoot. I mean, that, that's quite a bit of TikTok followers. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just got it for fun and started posting like my baseball highlights and stuff and just like, some like tip videos and like like it was with the canes when I blew up. It was just like I'll post like videos from my game and just like we're making those TikTok dances, me and the team and the hotel rooms and stuff. It was just for fun. And then I just I don't know, I just started getting some views and some followers. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna say like I had to ask you that because shoot, you know, I'm trying to build my TikTok following. I got I gotta <laughs> see gotta get some advice from you. Uh but no man. So a couple more questions here for you. Motivations, yeah. you know, what is that deep down just internally that helps that motivates you to you know get up every morning, go get better, you know, as a ball player, as a person. Just what are some of those motivations that you have? Yeah, like I said uh, a couple minutes ago. My dad, my family is my biggest motivation. I, I, I wanna, I wanna make, and I also wanna make it in this sport. Like, I fell in love with this sport at the age of seven years old, and I just, I've had a fire ever since. Like, just, I wanna, I wanna really make it in life in the sport. So, just waking up every day, and just in my opinion, is a new day to get after and go to work. So, I don't take any day for granted. I wake up every day and I tell myself, like, I have little sticky notes in my bathroom, like little quotes that I have and stuff. And I just tell myself, like, I'm going to do it. And I just get after it. Like, in my opinion, I, I, I love the process. So I really, I'm a hard worker myself. And I, like, I just have this fire in me that I want to go out there every day and get better and go to the cage and hit, go to the field, go to the gym. Just because I have I have this mindset that, like, I want to see myself in five, six years from now playing in the big leagues and having my parents watch me in the stands and leaving a legacy behind, of course. Yeah. So you, you keep getting after it. You start building that legacy, taking this question a little bit further. 20 years down the road, I know you said you enjoy the process, but let's look at that end goal. 20 years down the road, what does that perfect picture of your life look like? Everything's going right. You just keep getting after it. Yeah, so 20 years from now, I'll be 39. Hopefully, uh, it's like my last year in the big leagues. I want to play till I'm 40. And I want to retire, live a happy life, just just live a long, healthy life, man. I don't know. Have have like have everything I dream for. I wanna once I'm done with baseball, I, I wanna stay in the game because like this is like I don't this is like all I know. Like this is all I know. Like baseball is all I got right now. And my family, of course, and everything. But like this is my passion. But like when I'm done, I wanna get in the coaching side of things and I wanna help players through the process that I went to and help them get to where I I got to. So and also that I, I wish I could be like a like a coach for an MLB team, like stuff like that. I just want to stay in the game for as long as I can, man. Because this is this is a great game. This is this is the best game ever. So I just want to I just want to be in it for the rest of my life. 
Okay, so with Florida being a baseball state, you plan on staying in Florida, or are you gonna maybe you know move across the country somewhere? Uh, I'm 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 keeping my roots. I'm staying in Miami. That's okay. the, I like it there. Okay. Miami's not a bad city to stay in. Shoot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, man. So I got one last question here for you. Question I like to end it off with everybody. So you know, now that you are at Florida, you know, you got that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. And shoot, I'm sure with thirty-seven thousand TikTok followers, you might have some companies reaching out already. But you know, what would be that dream NIL brand for you? Whether whether that's you to collaborate with, endorse, partner with, whatever happens to be, what would be that dream NIL brand? That's a good question. Let me let me let me think. Let me think. Well, obviously, like dream nil for me would be Nike. I want to make my own shoe because I I'm 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 huge into shoes. I I love shoes. So like, just ima- like imagining having an nil with Nike is just crazy. Like yeah. being able to get in the phone with them and just like making my own shoe or just like them hooking it up and sending me over shoes and stuff like that. It's just that'd be so sick. Yeah, that that obviously you know that's you know really popular answer. You know everyone you know, everyone wants to work with Nike. Do you see that um new movie coming out with MJ and Nike called Air or something like that, where they talk about how how he got his first shoe launched? No, I haven't. I haven't. No, it's, I haven't. it's called it's called Air. I think it's coming out in April sometime. I mean, I, I'm pumped to watch that. I'm, I mean, I never watched Jordan obviously because I'm like 20, but still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to you know go ahead and watch that movie and you know learn yeah. how all that went down. But yeah, I love to watch that. But no, man, you know, that that's the final question here on the J.K.R. podcast. You know, super appreciative of you coming on the show, giving me your time. I know you guys are busy, you know, out there, you know, practicing, you know, trying to maintain, you know, that number three spot here in the country. Um, You know, best of luck as you guys go through the rest of this spring. Best of luck as you go to this summer in the Cape Cod and just the rest of your career. You know, just super appreciative of you coming on the show. And you know, I'll definitely be following your career and you just best of luck, you know, as you continue on. You're awesome. Awesome podcast. You're do a great job with the questions and stuff. And I'm just, thank you for having me.